The On Purpose show features engaging interviews and candid conversations with established and emerging leaders, influential voices, and newsmakers. Our goal is to empower you to discover, embrace, and pursue your purpose by connecting you with some of the world's most innovative and impactful people. We explore the stories, share the tips, and provide the tools they use that help them live their lives on purpose every day. I'm really excited to share this interview with you. If you know me, you know that I'm a huge fan of the music we call jazz. Ever since reading Quincy Jones's and later Miles Davis's autobiography in college to covering live shows, I've been intrigued by the beauty and reach of the music. And in this episode, I'll be speaking with one of the young lions leading the next generation of artists. We talked to trumpeter, composer, and educator Marquis Hill, who is rapidly becoming one of the rising stars in jazz. Hill has performed with legends like Roy Hargrove, McCoy Tyner, Marcus Miller, and more, and currently travels the globe performing with his ensemble, The Black Tet. The New York Times named his band's performance at the Tribeca Performing Arts Center as one of the best in 2015. When we recorded this episode, Marquise was fresh off winning the Thelonious Monk International Trumpet Competition, the most coveted award for young jazz artists, right in the middle of an extensive arts residency at the 18th Street Center in Santa Monica, and on the eve of releasing his newest solo project, Modern Flows, Volume 1. Fast forward to today, Marquise and the Black Tet recently wrapped production in New York on his forthcoming album, his debut on premier jazz and world music label, Concord Records. I, for one, am looking forward to hearing this much-anticipated record. In this episode, you will learn about the big why that powers his actions and contributes to his success. How sharing the stage with Quincy Jones, Herbie Hancock, and Pharrell was a dream come true. And how education and mentorship shaped his life and influences his work and more. Up next, our conversation with Marquise Hill. How you doing? Hey, I'm good, man. How are you? I'm very, very well, man. I'm, I'm excited to speak with you, um, both being from Chicago. Uh, I love jazz music. I love your sound. And uh, I'm going to take just a one second to kind of give them a little bit more uh, about who you are. So Marquis Hill is an award-winning trumpeter, composer, and band leader, and is widely recognized as one of the preeminent voices on the trumpet of his generation. He's an active educator performs worldwide with his ensemble, the Black Tech, and has performed living legends such as Roy Hargrove, McCoy Tyner, and a host of others. Thank you again, man, for coming on the show. Absolutely, man. It's a pleasure. Pleasure is all mine. Great, man. The, uh, the title of that first song, I Remember Summer, is definitely not misleading. Uh, being from Chicago, you definitely captured what we call <laughs> Summertime shy, you know what I mean. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, so aside, aside from musical elements, what do you do to capture um, a particular sound on a song? In, in in the case of this song, when I thought of it and when I heard it, that's what I can think of. And actually, I went on iTunes yesterday and 
saw, read some of the reviews from the latest project, and one of the persons said, you know, I could just put this record on and play it and ride through the city of Chicago in the summertime playing it. So it just really captured the essence of that. Yeah. <laughs> that was the goal for that record, man. That's actually a tune that I wrote for a really good friend of mine, uh, a great vocalist that I met in Chicago, Mr. Milton Suggs. And, um, yeah, that was that was the that was the goal for that tune. I was imagining that I was driving down Lakeshore Drive myself, you know, and uh, that's the melody I came up with. And I'm glad I was able to capture that the way that I wanted to. Yeah, that, that's it's such a huge part of music being able to um, create a sound that's really burst out of your identity. And um, mm-hmm. and I think that that was really accomplished on this record. I think that's what a lot of musicians and people are looking for. Whatever they're doing is to want to, to emulate, you know, who they are, what they've been created to do, and then people be able to get it right away through whatever medium they choose, whether it's art or music or writing or what have you. Absolutely, man. That's that's the goal of finding your own voice, and I've been big on that for a while, and. Uh, just really searching for my own sound and my own unique voice. And that's, you know, that search still continues. <laughs> that's awesome. Man. I mean, that's, that's so much a part of what we're doing here at the show and, and some of the initiatives that we're pushing out is to really explore that, um, that focus on purpose. I got a chance to watch a, a short interview, I believe you did for the jazz, jazz Institute, uh, where you talked about, um, how music was your purpose. You, you discovered, that music was your purpose. And I want to kind of get things jump-started a little bit and talk about that. I, I love beginning these conversations with broad, yet a direct question. So um, I'll ask you, what do you believe is your purpose? I know in the video it said, you, you know, music was that, but I want to hear from you. What do you believe is is your purpose? Uh, I believe my purpose is, you know, I was, I was put here. We're all put, we, we all were put here for a specific purpose. And I think my, my purpose was to uh, just change lives through music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason that I fell in love with this and I knew I wanted to teach and be a musician and try to change lives through music is because I saw how my life was changed through music. You know, I was exposed Absolutely. to this music. Yeah. I was exposed to this music at a very young age in the fourth grade. And I just fell in love with it. Uh, I was fortunate enough to have really, really good, mentors and teachers in my life. Uh, Miss Diane Ellis, South Side of Chicago, Dixie Elementary School. She gave me my first <laughs> jazz CD. Um, I just fell in love with the music. And, you know, all these mentors and educators and teachers that I had throughout my life just kind of molded me. And I knew that I wanted to do the same thing that they did to me. You know, they really changed my life through through this music. So I think that's my purpose. Awesome. I mean, and just listening to that, um, my mind is kind of racing a little bit because there's a lot of different areas and things that I want to go into and, and, and unpack with you. And uh, you mentioned about mentorship and how important mm-hmm. it was for you. Um, one of the cool things that I just found out is that tomorrow uh, is the launch of Jazz City's kickoff for their 18th season, and they're going to be doing uh, a bebop tribute to uh, Brass Salute to Clark Terry at oh, yeah, the South Shore Brass, Cultural Center. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to be doing a, a, a salute to Clark Terry. And we know that Clark Terry is one of a big mentor to a lot of musicians, especially uh, Quincy Jones, who I believe you may have got a chance to meet or, or, or be around during the competition. Um, mm-hmm. 
So how important is it for um, to have, you know, great mentors? I, I, I look back uh, at, at some of the things you've done and some of the people that you've been around. You know, how important has mentorship been um, within your growth as a musician? Oh, man, I would say it's been very, it's extremely important. Um, I don't know, like I say this, uh, I don't really know where I would be without some of the mentors that I had in my life. And especially in this day and age, there's so much madness going on, you know, for the youth. Right. It's really important that we, you know, we have to establish some type of mentors in their lives. And, again, I was fortunate enough to be one of those that I had a, a nice circle of mentors growing up that, and I, I thank them for, for molding me into the man and the musician that I am today. So I think it's very, very important, especially in today's society. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I was kind of looking back, looking back at the fact that you know, you're now in L.A. as part of the extended residency. And then a year ago, you were performing in front of jazz and music royalty like Herbie Hancock and Quincy Jones and Ray Hargrove and Pharrell and Wayne Shorter and all of these different giants. And so I read that. A lot of your mentors are people like uh, Ronald Carter and Bobby Broom and Tito Carrillo and, and Willie Pickens. Um, what were some of the direct things that they imparted into you that you can see today that are that's manifesting? You can look back and say, wow, you know, these are some of the things that they told me. These are some of the things musically. These are some things in life that uh, they imparted onto me that I'm really living out today. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um morals and things like, you know, be professional in every every situation, you know. Um, I really took that from, you know, uh, Professor Ronald Carter, for instance. He's really big on that, being on time. And these things, they apply to music, but at the time, you know, growing up, these things apply to life, life as well. And, yeah. and I, I, you know, I still apply them to my life, you know. Be a professional, you know, being a gentleman, um, you know, do, do your homework, you're a musician. Come, yeah. come prepared. You know? uh, come presentable. Dress, dress the part of the gig. So just these little things that that, that really helped me, and I, I'm using these things today. And I think they're definitely helping me with my success. And I, like I said, I thank all my mentors uh, as much as I can every time I see them. Yeah, that's good. And I know that we'll get into this a little bit later, but I know that through your own education and some of the things that you're doing, you're venturing into, you know, possibly mentoring uh, a lot of the other youth and imparting that wisdom onto them as well. So that's, that's, we'll, we'll unpack that a little bit later. I read, a, I read a quote from Diana Ross and it was really interesting um, uh, when I saw it and I, I thought that it was pretty appropriate. She said, you know, you, you know, you do need mentors, but in the end, you really need to believe in yourself. Um, mm-hmm. Very, poignant statement. You know, when we have these mentors, we take the wisdom and we take the knowledge from them. But um, for you, where did it get to a point where you said, okay, I know that they've given me these things. Now it's up to to me and the confidence. You know, wh- where did your confidence come from in terms of really launching, going out there and saying, I'm going to do this thing uh, w- without with all of the other things coming that could be coming at a person, especially coming out of Chicago, uh, a male, African-American male, you know, where did that confidence come from to really go out there and pursue your purpose? You know, um, I think that confidence came from just my love of the, of the music and 
And me seeing how it affected me, how the music affected me and affected my friends around me, uh, just my love and my passion for it kept me striving on the right path to really do what it is I wanted to do. Um, like I said, I was fortunate enough to be exposed to it really, really early. And I just fell in love with the music. I, I knew at a very young age, like, I, I wanted to I wanted to play music and I wanted to teach and do music-related things. So I, my, my passion my passion and my love for it really kept me on the right track. You know, there's a lot of, um, you know, during the time of when I was growing up, there's a lot of things that easily could have gotten me off track. But, you mm-hmm. know, a combination of my passion and my love for it and my and my mentors again really kept me on track and yeah i'm, I'm fortunate <laughs> and that that brings up a really good point as well uh you mentioned that you knew very early on and there's a good group of people who know very early on what they want to do and their path is really steered in that direction but then there's also people who you know they 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 jump from thing to thing, and there's a variety of reasons why that happens from fear to lack of money to not enough mentors to not enough people encouraging to do to do certain things. But I want to ask two questions. And um, were there any experiences or maybe any one experience that confirmed to you that you are where exactly where you're supposed to be? I'll let you answer that, and I'll get into the second question because it's the back half of that. Mm, that's, that's a good question. Um, um, just, just actually, just recently, um, I don't know if this answers or, or gives you an answer of where, where you thought I would go with it. But just recently, I, you know, I just moved to New York. Um, I've been living in Chicago my entire life. Uh, I love, right. you know, I love my city. Super biased of my city, but you know, it was just that time to move. So I moved to New York, and you know, I'm getting settled in, and I'm going out, I'm meeting all these musicians, and I'm just seeing how the jazz scene is out there, and I'm, I'm playing at jam mm-hmm. sessions. And one night I was just like, man, I was just looking around and the energy was right. And I was like, I really, you know, I, I, this is where I'm supposed to be at this point of my life. Um, so, yeah, I had a, a moment like that recently. Uh, wow. That's good. I mean, because we, you know, we have those experiences where, just like you mentioned, it's like, you know, kind of a surreal experience. Like, I'm really here. I'm really doing this. I'm really, because not too many people truly get to experience that because of all the different things, roadblocks that can keep you um, from that. And the reason why I asked that question was that there are times in life where we kind of question, okay, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? You know, I may be experiencing some, because everything is not going to go as smoothly as we want it to go. And so we go back at and say, you know what? I am, you know, this reminds me that despite all of the odds, all of the things that I had to encounter, uh, I am really where I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. absolutely. Is, is there any, do you think you, um, is there any decision that you almost made that could have took your life in a totally different direction? Uh, yeah, in high school, I was pretty big into sports, um, okay. and I was actually pretty, you know, pr- pretty good at pretty good at baseball. Um, and I, you know, I played baseball and football. But you know, I, I had already had this love for the music, so I was in band and playing all these sports at the same time. And you know, I was actually pretty good, you know. 
And um, and I, high school on the south side of Chicago, you're good at a sport. You know, the entire school, they're pushing you to do that. You know, but my, you know, my band director, Mr. Uh, William McClellan at the time, he was, you know, he was really determined to, to keep me in the band because he saw that I had talent and I had potential. Um, but at the time, I kind of wanted to play sports. Uh, but I, I sat down and I, I talked with him, and I also was studying trumpet with this guy, Tito Carrillo, at the, at the time. And they, they both really stirred me in the, in the right direction to, to play music. So it, it isn't that dramatic, but there was a time where I was considering, you know, you know, I don't want to quit the football team, so maybe I'll quit band. Um, right. But again, thanks to my mentors, I they, they kept me on the right track, and I, I continued to pursue music. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a it's a pretty big steer, you know. Both of the both yeah. of the halves really have, you know, they're they're not your traditional nine to five or be a doctor or a lawyer or things that normally we would see as secure. Um, sports have has a lifespan. You know, you're going to, most people call it chase after a dream in music where you see a lot of people moving to New York, moving to L.A. and really, really struggling. And, you know, some of the few become successful. But there are a lot of people who are doing this for a living who are actually Uh doing very well at it. And I think, you know, one of the, maybe one of the critical things is that you have people who actually gave you some truth to say that you can really do this and you can pursue that uh-huh. as opposed to maybe kind of dream about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Again, it sounds like the, 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 the topic of the show is my mentors, but again, they, they kind of engraved in me and showed me that, Oh, it's definitely possible to make a career and make a living being a musician. And it is, you know, I, I tell my students, um, it's more than just living a dream. It's actually very, very achievable. It's possible to, to chase your dream and, and be a professional musician and then make a good living at it. Yeah. Good, good. Now, we, we talked about confidence a few minutes ago. And um, anytime you are in a competition, whether and you mentioned playing sports, I played baseball as well. So, you know, when, you, when you're competitive, it, uh, it translates over into – many different areas, especially coming from sports and playing baseball especially in, and football, especially living in Chicago. It's a very uh, competitive city and uh, a lot of um, rich history to live up to on the sports side. So that I think that's one of the things that kind of run in, in, our, in our veins. How confident were you that you would win last year, that you would win this Thelonious Monk, I mean, just a prestigious award, Ambrose, uh, Ambrose won in 2007, Um, Mm -hmm. Ben Williams, you know, Chris Bowers, a lot of these very, very uh, prominent musicians now on the the international stage. Now, how confident Mm -hmm. were you going in that you would do well, number one, and that you would win? You know, to be honest, I I was really just surprised that I made the semifinals. You know, after I made the semifinals, I was like, "Oh wow!" You know, I, you know, I, I I guess I'm in. Um, and at that point, I really tried not to think about it. It sounds weird. People ask me that question, but I tried not to think about the competition aspects of it. I really, really tried to just go up and do what I do every single night and just play my horn. And you know, I, yeah, I don't know if I'm answering your question exactly, but no, it's, it's, it's really, good. really, yeah, I really, I really try not to sweat it and try not to think about it. 
you know, it was definitely a nerve-wracking experience. And, mm-hmm. you know, you can ask any one of the trouble players who participated in it, they'll agree. You know, it was definitely nerve-wracking. But, you know, I really just tried not to think about it. I just wanted to go and play and, and, and just try to play my horn like I did every single night. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it it, it worked well for you. <laughs> I um, one of the things that about confidence that I'm sure of is that confidence isn't always um, overt or uh, uh, talks a lot. The, the some of the most effective confidence is the quiet confidence. Is you go about your business, you know what you're doing, and you get the job done. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely, so, that's good stuff. Um. How's your life changed since since winning uh, that award last year? You know, just more, more right now, just more networking opportunities and more performance opportunities. Uh, you know, with the winning of the competition, you're awarded a, a contract with Concord. So I've been talking with the people over at Concord, uh, talking about um, my next project. So I've just been rubbing elbows and just really – meeting new people, um, and it's really helped me with that. And it's just an honor to be associated with the Monk Institute, um, period. And so it's, it's been great. I'm excited to see what's going to come next as well. I think the great thing about that is that you, uh, in terms of being able to record your next, next project, is that you already have four projects that you have done. Mm-hmm. So you have a track record of actually uh, putting together a solid piece of work. And I think for any record label, they look at that as a plus because they know that, you know, on your own or whether it's an independent label, that you can put together a project and they can feel confident about backing you for that project and putting something out. Um, so environment plays a really significant role in helping to shape our identity and purpose. And, you know, tell us about how, because I know you mentioned you just moved to New York. And I think for a lot of artists, wherever they come from, is training ground for going to New York or going to L.A. So tell us a little bit about how your upbringing in Chicago really um, um, added to where you are now and then where you're going. Yeah. Um, yeah, just, you know, I, it sounds like I keep talking about my mentors, but they, you know, they mm-hmm. really played an important part of my life. Um, just the, the, the things that they kind of engraved in me uh, as a youngster and coming up the professionalism and things like that, you know, um, they just really stuck with me and they, they carried over and they helped me now that I'm in New York. So, to, you know, I, I think I'm fitting in very well uh, just because these things that I've learned coming up through Chicago and playing with people like Vaughn Freeman and Fred Anderson and, you know, Bobby Broom and, and just learning things, you know, hands-on from these type of musicians and these elders in Chicago, these things just really stuck with me, and I used them in New York, and yeah, it's 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 been it's been cool. That's awesome. I um I got a chance to um to listen to a few things on YouTube uh, that you were doing, and one of the things that I firmly believe, and we talked a little bit about this earlier, is that whatever gift of talent that we've been given, it's, it's for a purpose, whether to shed light on injustices or speak to different issues. And I saw that you recently played a trumpet solo for um, Capsulosity's peaceful protest video you played, We Shall Overcome. Uh, tell me why you wanted to contribute to that and what purpose or what do you believe that your music actually is, is wants to speak to? Yeah. 
Um, the guy, the guy Brandon, who who runs Capsulopsy, he reached out to me and he, he asked me about the project, and I immediately said yes. You know, um, you know, there was a time in music where where, where artists, the the music and the context, the the content in their music reflected what was happening during the day, and I think over the time we kind of lost lost vision of that. But there's been a, a recent a recent thing where artists they're putting out these projects that are reflecting things that are happening during the day. And I, I saw this peaceful protest um, as an opportunity to contribute to that. And, and really, in my music, um, I, I try to do that as well, especially on my most recent release, uh, Modern Flows. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's just one of those things I, I, I try to strive for, and I'm, I'm, I'm all about and I'm down with it. And when Brandon from Capsulosity reached out to me to, to be a part of that, there was no hesitation. I knew I would be, you know, I would be down to do it. Yeah, I, I think one of the great things about um, the music we call jazz is that uh, it, it's a it's a method of communication, and you can mm-hmm. choose a variety of different. And that's what's so important or powerful to me about purpose is that it's something where you don't have to copy someone else to get your message out, you know, if your medium and your God-given talent is music, or for me, it may be writing or media, then I have to be confident enough to know that, that we can speak to some mm-hmm. of the same issues, but just use a different vehicle or mechanism to get it to people. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's a huge, yeah, that's a huge, a huge thing that I think that a lot of people miss sometimes is that they, you know, and it goes back to confidence. It goes back to mentorship. It goes back to all of those things. Someone saying, okay, this is where the direction you're walking into, veering off, can can actually not serve the people that you need to serve through the gift, you know, that you've been given. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely. When Absolutely. you think about, um, well, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to jump into that at the, at the last part. Um but on your list of artists you've performed with, I noticed that you had Roy Hargrove, who's one of the first on the list, and you recently performed with him, uh, I believe, at the Jazz Gallery in New York. How is mm-hmm. Roy Hargrove's music is just, you, you, you hear that horn and you know it's Roy. Um, mm-hmm. How has his music and his sound really contributed to your sound? Or, um, you know, we have people that we look up to in terms of music or heroes and things like that, but... Um, what has the music of Roy Hargrove actually done for you? Yeah, like he's Roy's been one of my, like I've been uh, an idol of his. Well, one of my idols, excuse me, since <laughs> high school. <laughs> since high school, and I, you know, um, the thing that I fell in love with is his sound. And I would say one thing that I got from his music: you listen to Roy's music and Roy's his band and his sound. And it's very consistent. That's one thing you can say about Roy. Like, mm-hmm. oh, he's ha- he has his sound. That's Roy. Yeah. Like you said, you can hear hear his music, you hear his band, you hear his horn, and you'll know, oh, that's Roy. And I will say one thing that I really got from him and his music is that that approach to my music. I want people to be able to hear my music and hear my sound and know, like, oh, that's Marquise. That sounds like Marquise. That sounds like a Marquise composition. So I would definitely say that's one of the powerful things that I've I gotten from Roy and his music and his approach to plan, definitely. What future do you see for for the music? I, I see a bright future for it because I one of the things about jazz and about this music 
is um, just a discovery process. And I think there's a great thing. When I, I had an interview with an artist one time, and I cleaned it up really well. I, I said, uh, I said, you know, the interesting thing is I've, and I have to apologize. I said, I do not really know. I know, I know I'm interviewing you, but I don't know who you are. And I said, the, re- I said, the great thing about that is that in music, you know, the discovery process is amazing. When you're discovering new artists and new music, you're able to appreciate that and share that, you know, with, uh, with other people as well. So it's, it's just a great man. It's an amazing thing. Absolutely, I, I, you know, I do that daily. I'm on, I'm online trying to find the music because it all contributes and it, it helps me and it inspires me. When I discover new artists, it inspires me and my music. So that's, that's what it's about. Yeah. Well, let's get into that a little bit. Let's talk about some of your. Um, let's, let's, let's go back and talk about. You know, where some, where some of your favorite albums. Um. um yeah, what are some of your favorite albums in general? It, you know, uh, regardless of genre, some of your favorite albums that have inspired you or just music that you love listening to. Maybe even some things that, you know, if a person looks at you as a jazz artist and, and says, well, I wouldn't have thought that you would be listening to, to this music. You know, what, what is, what's some of your favorite music? Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm, I'm kind of all over the place, uh, especially nowadays. I listen to a lot of hip-hop, but I listen to jazz, of course. Uh, I listen to a lot of blues, um, but just growing up on the South Side, my mother, um, she exposed me to, you know, soul music, Isley Brothers, the Spinners, Marvin Gaye, the Whispers, the Stylistics. See, I was exposed to that type of stuff really early, just being around my mom in the house, you know. She's cooking or cleaning, and that's playing, so I fell in love with that music, so I'm, I'm still listening to that stuff um, to this day. And that that actually has a big influence on my music. But I will say one of my favorite, all-time favorite records, um, and I listen to it pretty often, it's a Marvin Gaye record. A lot of people don't know about this record. It's entitled Vulnerable. Um, Mm. If you haven't checked it out, man, please check it out. Marvin Gaye Vulnerable. It's a record full of ballads, and it's just absolutely beautiful, man. So, um, yeah, that's, that's the type of music that I really listen to. See, that's exactly what I'm talking about. I'm thinking I'm, I'm an audiophile and I know about music and producers and sound. And there's a record from probably one of the the greatest singers and artists of all time. Never heard of it. <laughs> oh man, thank you. You're going you're going to be like, whoa, vulnerable, absolutely beautiful music. Yeah, wow. that's awesome. Uh, good. So, do you? Um, what are some of the um, some of the things you do, you know, uh, in terms of like books that you read or practice. I was actually listening to an interview with um, um, Stanley Crouch, the jazz writer, and he wrote mm-hmm. about uh, Charlie Parker. And he said Charlie Parker practiced anywhere up to 19 hours a day, which is mm-hmm. pretty unheard of. That's pretty much a whole day practicing. Uh, and of course, we we have the results of that through his music and uh, environment played a huge part in that because I believe in Kansas City at that time he would be in the park and people would just allow him to play and play and play and play. Uh, what are some of the things that you do to really hone your craft? Uh, because we've been given these talents, but at the same time they need to be refined and uh, prepared and planned properly to get the best output. Absolutely. Um, 
for me, it's um, <clears throat> you definitely have to have to practice. <laughs> um, definitely not not 19 hours a day, but b- back in the day when I was younger, <laughs> I would <laughs> I would take advantage of my time. Um, like I said, I fell in love with it really early, and that's all I wanted to do after I figured out how to play a little bit. So all throughout high school, that's that's what I did. I would go home and practice. Um, if I'm not playing a sport, I, I would I would have went home and practice and um, really just blocking that time and being very serious about it and really practicing and and yeah, that's <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yeah, I, and I and I believe that you know a good blend of of talent plus um, planning and practice and preparation it really equals to success. Um, when, you, when you think of success, you know, when you consider the word successful and things of that nature, who do you see? You know, who do you think, who do you consider to be a successful person or someone that you can look at and say, you know what, that's someone I can in, in, embody my life after. They've been pretty successful and um, that means a lot to you. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, just going back to some of my mentors, Professor Ronald Carter. Um, you know, I just look at him and the things he's done in the community, um, and just what he's done for himself. I consider him very successful and I strive to be like, like him. Um, Orbert Davis is a guy from Chicago, a great mm-hmm. trumpeter educator. He's doing great things for the community. Uh, he's got a touring career. He's got records. He's teaching. He's, he's helping. He's giving back. I consider that success. And those are the type of things I like to strive for. And then, of course, musical success, someone like Terrence Blanchard, who's also playing, putting out music, writing music for movies, also teaching, um, you know, also giving back to the community. Um, So these are some of the people that I look up to, and I consider those kind of things to be successful. To find out more about Marquise Hill, log on to his website at www.marquisehill.com, where you can receive updates on upcoming performances, stream, and purchase music. Thank you for listening, and remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, stream 24-7 on SoundCloud, and join our mailing list to get updates on everything from our next interview and more. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Jay Eaglin and use the hashtag BeOnPurpose to join the conversation.